Transfiguration is a minor holiday in the Christian church here. It's not Easter or Christmas or one of the big ones, but it is a big holiday because the disciples got to see a glimpse of Jesus' glory, a glimpse that sustained them through the trouble that was to come. We too get to see that glimpse, and that's a picture of what's talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. As the Apostle Paul explains, the, the light that has shined in our heart, the darkness of our heart in unbelief, and changed through the Holy Spirit to belief. This sermon was originally recorded at Castle Rock Middle School, February 19th, 2012. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, we had a chance these last few five weeks to talk in the book of 1 Corinthians. I thought that worked out pretty well, and I really enjoyed it. And now we're taking a break because we follow really what's called the pericope, which is the scheduled readings for um, this time of year. So that was the Sundays of Epiphany. They took some readings from, to use a big word, Lexio Continuum, from the area which um, came from uh, 1 Corinthians. So now we're in celebrating a minor festival. I don't know if anyone sent out like transfiguration cards or anything like that. Transfiguration letters, anybody? Gifts? Yeah, I didn't either. So, I, so if you did, you're a greater Christian than I am. So the Transfiguration is a minor festival, and what it, it's paced intentionally. So we're going to talk about the depths and the difficulties that's involved with Lent, and it's kind of a low time. But just by pace and just by timing, this is a glimpse of God's glory that his disciples got to see before this very difficult time of Lent, and we as Christians get to see a glimpse of God's glory. So we're going to be doing, um, if you could read that, it says the God of this age, which is the main section we're looking at. The verse that is in the middle of our section, this is from Corinthians. And it's not switching for me at all. So Megan, can you go to the third one? It says for God who said. I don't know why it's not switching. Did you do that or did I do that? Okay, good. Uh, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. I will attempt to touch another one. Can you go to the all-black slide? So this is going to be somewhat awkward. Have you ever seen the movie 2001 Space Odyssey? At least the beginning, I think you've probably seen. So 2001 Space Odyssey begins like this. It's from like 1968, and you're all looking, you've never even heard of the movie? Okay, this is the picture you would have seen if you can go to the next one. And um, I didn't get the track. It's really dim because it's so bright in here. But you can see the moon and then the earth and then the sun shining up above that. And whenever I read these words from Corinthians, this is the beginning, I think. Now, this probably doesn't sound familiar until I give you the soundtrack. And I was too lazy to actually get the soundtrack, so I'm going to just do it with my voice. You ready? Da, da. Dun, dun. Dum, 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 right? Right? Is it sound? Can you picture it? Dun, dun, dun. And this goes on for like a minute and a half. And I thought about doing that because then I'd have to write less on my sermon. It would have been great. Uh, but I didn't. And if you're listening at home, that was my voice. That was not a recording. So we're in this section. It's really exciting. Don't you picture that? Oh, what would it have been like when light appears when God created the world? Can you imagine that it would have been utter darkness, complete void? Like if you go in a cave and it's black, like that around the whole planet, and then boom, the light shines. And as it says in the Hebrew, Vayahi Elohim Yahi Or. And it says like, and then God said, let there be light, and boom, there's light with God's power 
and his word. It just fills things up. No one's there to witness it except God himself. So we have no idea what it exactly was like. But do we get glimpses of God's glory at other places involved with life? I think we do. Um, just a few weeks ago, we were talking about Moses. He went up on Mount Sinai. And remember, when God was about to give his law, usually we think, oh, that'd be really cool. I'd want to go up there and check this all out. But when God goes up on Mount Sinai, uh, and when Moses goes up, there's thunder, there's lightning, there's fire, a cloud envelops the top. No one is going to go up there. And in fact, they say, you guys have to purify yourselves. You can't even touch this mountain. If your animals touch it, they're going to die. So it's rather terrifying. The only one who marches all the way up this mountain is Moses, and he comes back down. And what happened when he came back down? Have you ever gone like near a fire too close and your face starts to glow red? I'm not recommending this in any way, but have you ever done that to like your cheeks glow red? It's more than that. It says when Moses came down, just being in, in God's presence, his face shined. And so how would you feel if you were an Israelite? You come down and your leader's face is actually shining just by being near God. They're freaked out. So God's glory is often associated with light. We see it at the beginning of the world. Uh, we see it with Moses coming down from the mountain. We see it in movies. Uh, obviously, this is anecdotal a little bit, but has anyone seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, that's okay. It's okay. It's a, um, who is, am I the only one who is totally disappointed when you found out I was a kid, I don't know when it came out, that it was not Noah's Ark? I was, I, seriously, I was just crushed. I'm like, it's a box. I was ready to see like, how cool this would have been and how big it was. But they get all the way down, they open this box, and they, the movie people recognize this. And you're going to give thanks for three things if you ever watch this scene again. Just punch it into YouTube. Number one, that we're not the ones opening the box. Because they open the Ark of the Covenant finally, and remember all the heroes turn away. They know that the glory of God is going to be shining out with such power that it melts the faces of the Nazis which is number two thing you're thankful for, that our special effects are better uh, over the half. Have you ever seen this? Just rewatch it, and you're going to go like, we thought that was pretty impressive at the time. Awesome. Uh, the third thing is God's glory in real life, though, shines through with light. We see that in the gospel of the day. God goes up to a high mountain with his disciples, and he gets to show uh, Peter, James, and John. Why those three, we're not sure, but Peter, James, and John get a glimpse of God's glory. So it says his clothes dazzled, and they shined with brightness like the sun. And it said you couldn't even bleach them so white. So it's Moses and Elijah, and then the cloud is there, and it disappears, and they get to see that. Why would God go through the trouble to show them his glory like that? Chronologically, I think it makes some sense. We might say this is one of the most glorious moments of Jesus. These guys never forgot this. But what is a bigger glory, this or Jesus' death and resurrection? Humanly speaking, you'd say if someone's, the glory of God shined through someone's skin, I think that'd be pretty incredible. But when you read Scripture and it talks about what's God's greatest glory, it says, even though it doesn't look like it, his suffering, his pain, his abandonment for us. The fact that we have this mountain of debt of sin that's so immeasurable we can't even think about it. And God says, I'm still willing to come and die for you. When we think about how we betrayed God and he still comes to die for us, that is God's glory. That he loves you enough and proves, as it says in John 3.16, God so loved the world. God envelops you with this. And God shows you his love for you. You ever seen or been part of something where uh, 
you see like the interaction between a father and his son, or you see the interaction between a spouse, and you say, you know what, I don't think one person appreciates the love the other one's trying to show. Isn't that break your heart? If you see like a, a child who smarts off to their parent, and, you're, and the parent is trying so desperately to show love to them, doesn't that break your heart? Or what about the other way around? I think that's even more heartbreaking when you see parents who don't necessarily appreciate their kids. Have you ever had a moment where you've just recognized how much God loves you and his amazing love for you? Doesn't it break your heart when you look around the world and say not everyone recognizes this peace and joy that I have? Isn't that crushing? The Apostle Paul recognized this, and that's the section where he's at today. And if you can go to the one that starts in even if our gospel is veiled, Megan, I appreciate it. So he writes this in the book of Corinthians. He writes uh, 2 Corinthians. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So Paul recognizes, he marvels about God's glory all the time, but he says, you know what, if you look around the world, this is what you're going to see. The gospel is veiled. Now, I don't want to make this too simple, but it's pretty simple. What is the God of this age? The devil. So the devil does what to try and blindfold you to the love that God has for you? Just about anything. And most of the time this comes like an irrational idea. If you read and um, you read from the Apostle Paul already, he says, does the Christian message make sense to us naturally? Not a bit. He said it's foolishness to us. It says sometimes your rational idea becomes supreme, and if you can't get it with your brain, you're saying it doesn't make some sense. This isn't a new idea, if you can hit the Luther quote. Martin Luther 500 years ago quoted this. Actually, he wrote it, and I quoted him. Why does God do such preposterous things? Our common sense revolts and says, could not God have saved the world some other way? And then the next one. The Christian faith is foolishness. It says that God can do anything and yet makes him so weak that either his son had no power or wisdom or else the whole story is made up. God sends, as it were, an earthworm lying in weakness, helpless, without his mother, and he suffers him to be nailed to a cross. So rationalistically, does the Christian message make sense? No, that's a thick, thick blindfold. But that's not everyone's blindfold. Some people are willing to step back and say, you know what, um, if God says it, I'm going to say it's true. For other people, the God of this age uses things like materialism or worldliness. If God can get you so earthly that you forget about the things of this world, then all this becomes blind, right? If God can get you worried about your job or if God can get you worried and wrapped up with your family or your life goals or all these pursuits, what has he done? He's blinded you again. The God of this age has blinded you again to the love that God has shown you. Now, up to this point, you're probably like, hey, I, I'm pretty good there. But don't be so naive to think that the devil only works like in option A or option B. He's going to go put his best effort forth. The, um, the Pharisees, you read about them in the Old Testament, and you think, why would Jesus come down so hard on the Pharisees? You ever wonder that? These guys are actually pretty good. Humanly speaking, if you look around at what the Pharisees would do like on the outside, these were like pro. These would be like the elders of the church, and they were pretty high up, did awesome work. So why is it that Jesus is so upset? 
Someone's quote is this, the Pharisees go to hell by their damnable good works. Par- uh, the parable of the prodigal son, or sometimes people, uh, there's a guy who calls it the prodigal God, but the parable of the prodigal son, so you have option A, which is the son who rebels, right? And he goes and he spends all the money with prostitutes and then comes back, crawling kind of essentially on his knees to his dad and says, Dad, forgive me. What about the other son? How did he think he ranked up with his dad? So good, in fact, that his dad essentially owed him some stuff. And, and I think that's an interesting look. So as you step back and you say, how has the God of this age blinded people? It's not always by their worldliness. It's not always by the supremacy of rational thought. Sometimes it's just by the good stuff you do. We have things like campaigns, random acts of kindness. Has anyone ever been the recipient of random acts of kindness, like someone paid for your coffee in the drive-thru? Yeah, and then you're like, man, I should have got a bigger coffee. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but they're already gone. They're already gone, right? So random acts of kindness, this is good stuff, right? And you feel good. What happens if you volunteer somewhere? You feel pretty good about that, I think. And some people even say that. Why do you do what you do? And they're like, you know what? I feel good. And sometimes people know you not that well. Have they ever told you what a great person you are? You don't have to nod or anything like this. I mean, this is, has anyone ever said, man, you are so nice. You go, I, I can't believe you're willing to do this. Can I pay you something for this? And you're like, hey, no worries. Don't worry about it. What can happen is that you're so good that who needs the gospel of a Savior when you have the good news of other people telling you how good you are? And what has the devil done, ironically, with your damnable good works? He's taken your eyes and blindfolded them from the love that Jesus has for you, the love that Christ has shown you, what Christ has done for you, and he's pulled it away so that you start to look at yourself. Maybe it's not option A or B or C. I don't know what it is, but don't be so naive to think the devil only has like A, B, C. He's got like double A to double Z, and then he's got triple A to triple Z, and he's going to keep coming and coming and coming and coming to try and blindfold you to what God has to say. Apostle Paul recognized this, and so he sends out this warning that we just looked at, that the God of this age, the God of this age is going to do these things to you. But why do you think he does that? Do you think Paul talks about the God of this age and what has blinded people because he wants us to look around and try and identify people's blindfolds? Is that hard? You spend any time with people, you can say, you know what? I think rationalism is blinding that person to the love that God has for them. You can look and say, I think that person's materialism is blinding them to what God does for them and how God cares for them. Or you can look and say, God and Paul writes this warning for me. And there's a reason why he writes this is so that my own eyes are opened and I see what the problem is. So this is um, 1 Corinthians 2, or 2 Corinthians. And this is God's word to us. If you can go to, but God who said? Because I can't. Okay. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Recognize for a moment, and I know this is uh, getting a little bit deep, that without the love of Christ, naturally we'd still be in unbelief. So before you point your finger and say, why are these people unbelievers? Without God coming and to tear off that blindfold, we'd be in the same spot. 
we would be, no matter how smart you are, no matter how gifted, no matter what kind of skills you have, you'd be in the exact same spot. But what has God done? At creation, God spoke words and said, let light shine out of darkness, and bam. 2,000 years at at creation, the world is filled with light. 2,000 years ago, Christ is on this earth, and God says, let light shine out of darkness. And in the darkness of unbelief, God says, there he is, and you see it in Jesus' face. 90 years ago, or 60 years ago, or 40, or 36 years ago, or even like six months ago, through his word and baptism, God says what? Let light shine out of darkness. In your heart that is so filled with unbelief, God sends his spirit to change it and to open it so that you can see. And whether it's through your baptism or whether it's through the word proclaimed, you can step back and say, what has God done for me? He's done this all for me. He's let me see. On the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, the, the guys go up, Peter, James, and John, they're so scared, it says they don't even know what to say, and Peter's like, hey, let's build some tents. Like, like in heaven, you're going to have tents. Um, of course not, we're going to have RVs. But he says, like, let's, make, let's make some tents, right? Let's just hang out here forever. This is going to be so cool. So Moses and Elijah are there. These are the pillars of the, the, the representative of the Torah is right there, Moses. And then the representative all time of the prophets is right there. But then the cloud comes, right? And it develops them, and you hear this voice that says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And the cloud disappears, and who's left? Just Jesus. Do you think that's God's way of saying, listen, Moses is great. Uh, These are faithful servants. The prophets are great. I'm glad you guys read the prophets. But all you need is Jesus. That's it. And does he say the same thing to us? We come here broken. uh, We come here hurting. We come here with temptation and sin just weighing us down like crazy. And what does God say? He doesn't say look to the prophets or look to Moses. He says what you need is Jesus. Look to the face of Jesus and see my glory. Look to Jesus and see that God is good, that God is loving, that God gives peace, that God has changed your life. I'm amazed by the Apostle Paul. It, it, I'm totally amazed. Think about him on his road to Emmaus. Do you think he's thinking of these words as he talks about that made light shine in our hearts? This guy is hardcore. So he is, uh, his name's Saul at the time, and you, I think you're familiar with the story. He so hates Christianity. He's got such a thick blind on, and he's so zealous for God, quote God, that he says, I am willing to go and travel around to persecute Christians. He's willing to sit at when Stephen got stoned. He's there. Now, just put a pause there. Has anyone here been to an execution? It says in Scripture that he stood there approvingly. You've got to be pretty jacked up in your zealousness to A, go to an execution, and B, hang out and say, oh yeah, that's right. That's how Paul is. He says, not beyond that, he says he's willing to go to Damascus to try and persecute Christians. That's 100 miles away. So let's put this in perspective. I like to ski. I love to ski. Took my son, uh, Owen, skiing for the first time. And my proudest moment is we get all done. And this is his first time ever. He's zipping down the hill totally out of control because you've got to teach. Dads, that's your job. Is, this is an important thing. You've got to teach your kids that danger is fun. So that was my job. And I teach it to Owen. And we're flying down the hill. And he gets done. And he says, Dad, that was the goodest day ever. He loved it. And I'm excited. So we get to go tomorrow. And we're going to Ski Cooper. You can go for 10 bucks if you have the gem card free lift tickets during the weeks, during the Feb- uh, February. But anyway, I love it, right? 
It's like 70 miles to go. I love skiing, but I wouldn't walk there. Ever. Ever. I mean, the parking lot's long enough. You know, you're holding these skis. You're like, for crying out loud, I should have rented. You know, that is long enough. And I love to ski. Would you ever love skiing enough to even like walk up the mountain to come back down? Like one time is enough, right? Damascus is 100 miles away. Imagine traveling for five days and the thing that's on your mind, like 20 miles a day, you're like, can't wait to get those Christians. He is so jazzed and he gets there and then bam, this light shines in his face and what is that light? It knocks him down. Jesus. Jesus. And Paul thinks, and I wonder if he thinks of these words as, he never gets tired, it seems, and it never gets weary, and he just keeps going and going. I don't know how he does that, but do you think he thinks in his mind, if God can shine his grace in my dark heart, he can shine it in anyone's? And I think as a Christian, maybe we don't always appreciate that. That if God can shine in my dark heart, he can shine in anyone's heart. We've got a big challenge. I said for Lent, instead of giving stuff up, remember last week, we're going to actually try and step up our training, our Christian training. So do, hopefully you pick something out. People picked a number of things. Some are going to do Bible readings together. Some are going to do Bible readings and pray with their spouse. That was the double. That's super training right there. Um, some of you, if you had uh, more sporadic offerings, you want to be regular in your offerings, that's pretty cool. Some are thinking percentage giving, I think, and they, they thought, at least for a time. Or go to church every single week during Lent. That's exciting. So add something to Lent. I got one more thing. When you look at what God has done in your heart, think, how can I share this great message with someone else? So think one person, this is my challenge, one person that you can think of that is blinded completely by the God of this age, and who can I let them see? Maybe I can share my faith. Maybe I can just invite him, take a postcard from the back and give it to them and say, I want you to hear something that I know, the peace I know, the joy I know, the love I know. Amen.